raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Yeah, we're back. Uh, another edition of Kevin's Corner. Uh, the Colts are limping, stumbling. Picturing that gif of that guy's just like legs collapsing in the hallway. You know, and falling to the ground. I think that's the Colts heading to their bye week right now. 4-8-1. and one. I don't even have the words, but I appreciate you listening to this podcast. I don't really have the words to explain. Last night's fourth quarter. 33 to nothing. The Cowboys over the Colts in the fourth quarter. That's a 15-minute quarter, by the way. Uh, 54 to 19 is the final score. Eddie, one of my favorite like childhood memories was, you know, if I ate all my dinner, et cetera, et cetera, maybe I could stay up for like the first quarter of Monday Night Football, or like you know the first half maybe of Sunday Night Football, and then you know, hey, we'll uh, we'll DVR it, and we'll you know probably VCR it. Probably was what it was back then. And you could watch it in the morning. Uh, parents, do not let your kids watch the fourth quarter from last night. Uh, that was just an unbelievable snowball avalanche there to um, kind of put the put the t- you know kind of close the book, Eddie, on such a weird game when you think about it. Like I was really worried about that game. I thought it could get away from the Colts early on. They were locked in. That was arguably their best first quarter of the season. Uh, back and forth. I mean, it was a two-point game there, early fourth quarter. And then all of it turns. And uh, we'll have a lot to break down on today's podcast, what I liked, what I didn't like, of course. Um, overall, your thoughts on last night. Fourth quarter, the drive chart, fumble, interception, interception, fumble, end of game. God, thankfully it was the end of the game, right? Run 21 plays of offense. Dallas runs uh, 11 and a couple more maybe because when they took over with 343 to go in the third, it bled over into the fourth quarter. I mean, at one point, this, the, the Colts were down two, going for two at 21-19. Yeah, yep. They were right there, and then just snowballs. Like, I've really never seen an NFL game snowball to that magnitude. And, you know, something I thought watching the Sunday games play out, Eddie, it's such a shame that the Titans are going to win this division without anyone threatening them. Right. They're 7-5. and five. They've lost two in a row. They still have Dallas. They still, I think, have the Chargers. Um, I think they have Jacksonville twice. I would take a split. Right now, if you're going to make me bet on that, I know Jacksonville's not playing great football, but like Tennessee is not a team that, in my opinion, will run away with this. And yet, at nine and eight or ten and seven, they'll win this division by four games, which is so pathetic and so embarrassing for the franchises of the Indianapolis Colts, the Jacksonville Jaguars, and the Houston Texans. That what I think is just it's a fine Tennessee team. Nothing more than that. That they will win this division like that. Um, and that, to me, just it was a little bit of salt in the wounds as you're watching the games play out on Sunday. And I get it. There are people that are certainly full-on draft mode right now. And the Colts moved up five, five draft positions 
in week 13, up to number nine. But it was just a reminder of you're not even close in the worst division in the AFC. And that sucks. Flat out. So uh, then the game played out from there, which we'll obviously get to. Um, yeah, anything else big picture, Eddie, before we dive into what I uh, what I didn't like? Uh, for those that are fully on the draft train already. Yeah, up to nine, right? Up to nine. Uh, Chicago has picked number two. Which I think is good. You want yes. Chicago to be as high as possible. Um, that's that's a trade candidate. Yes, that's a prime trade candidate, especially yeah. if that Colts pick continues to move up, and you're like Colts finish what? Let's say they finish with that, you know, that seventh pick. And I think it's a lot more manageable now for Chicago, and more willing of them to trade back and possibly get uh, Will Anderson out of Alabama because they need some pass rush help. Um, but yeah, Chicago keep losing, Colts keep losing is what. Some people are going to say, and when you're looking at it mathematically, Colts are still have a minute chance of making the playoffs. But realistically, uh, all those chances are, you know, as good as us. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, Eddie, there's a better chance you and I finish the New York Marathon next year than right. The Colts make the playoffs. Um, so again, a lot to get to on the podcast. We'll start with. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. What I didn't like, uh, where am I going first here? You're going to start with the end of the first half. So the Alec Pierce tip leads to a good old Malik Hooker with the interception. Yeah, let's um, again, let's focus here on this stretch. I thought this set the tone for the rest of the game. The Colts had a couple chances late half after the Gilmore interception. Had a chance to score a touchdown there, take a lead, potentially have a lead at halftime. But they took over. Um, I think it was like a little bit over a minute to go in the first half. Minute 19, yeah. Minute 19, okay, when they took over. And at that scenario of the game, it's 14-13. At the very least, you just want to possess the ball. Possess it, go into halftime, down one, you get the ball to start the third quarter. And Ryan throws that ball in the direction of Alec Pierce, and, you know, was I think it was Anthony Brown, maybe it was a corner in coverage there. You know, is he there a little early? Probably is. Um, but the fact that the Colts' passing offense continues to, to allow opposing secondaries to play like that, some of those are just not going to get called. And teams continue to just blanket the Colts on those routes. And again, the more contested catches you're forced to make, the more risk that runs into it. And you saw it right there on the deflection. Hooker makes the interception. And then you go down, you got him in a third and nine. Now some Prescott kind of got outside of Quiddy Pay, got outside, and found Michael Gallup on the um, on the crosser for the touchdown. I thought that was just a dagger and again the Colts came back and 
You know, it was 21-19 at one point and all of that, but I really felt like that changed the 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 tone of the first half and that oh boy, instead of, you know, only being down one or maybe even having a lead, now you're down eight and it just felt like Dallas was in control for me there. So, um, I wanted to point to that stretch as I thought that really kind of changed how in my opinion, best first quarter we've seen all year, one of your best quarters, period, all year long. That kind of shifted gears for me there in the first half. Yeah, I thought they came out well, and we'll get into that in a minute. Um, so, Matt Ryan, I don't think, looked great at all in that second half. Um, turnovers were really bad. Yeah, is this second on my list of yeah. what what I didn't like? Yeah, yeah, Eddie, it's um, it's time to bench Matt Ryan. There's absolutely zero need to play him the rest of the season. Who would you rather see? You know, I'd probably rather see Ellinger just because I am a guy that always has one eye looking towards the future. And you know what? We saw Ellinger for two starts, and I think I've been very open about my Ellinger thoughts. I think he's a high end backup in the NFL. That's kind of his ceiling. The two starts we saw him, I thought he played pretty good against Washington. I thought he made some nice throws. I did too. Then he goes on the road, and his first NFL start against Bill Belichick, first NFL road start, looked like a rookie making his first NFL road start against the Belichick defense. And then that's it. We haven't seen him since. So, I just think, I don't know, throw him out there for the final four games. I mean, he's not going to go 4-0. But you just get a clearer picture of what you have in him. You get him a little bit more experience, all of those things. Foles would, I think, help give you a better evaluation of your current offense. Some might argue you don't really need to evaluate it very much. Um, But Jeff Saturday's thought process of, hey, this is on my resume. I want to try and win now. Foles probably helps you out the most in that area. Granted, we haven't seen Foles. I mean, has he taken a snap this year? I mean, hell, he didn't get in last night. Like, when he didn't get in last night, I thought to myself, does Jeff Stoddard, does he still run that fantasy team? You know, he had that fantasy team with Devontae Adams on it. Did did he start the Cowboys defense? (laughs) He ran Matt Ryan out there every single series the rest of the game. I'm like, what is going, you never see teams continue to stick with the starter in that situation, let alone a 37-year-old, let alone a 15-year vet. Dallas didn't even... (laughs) Dallas didn't even run with their starters out there. No, Cooper Rush into the game. Yeah, I, I yeah, I have no idea what was going on there. Uh, but again, Matt Ryan ne- needs to be benched, Eddie. Um, he's old in every part of his. He, he, he's old in multiple ways right now. He's old in the velocity. He's old in his movement, and that's pretty obvious, I think, to see. But you know what? I think he's old as a processor. And that really worries me. Think back to Philip Rivers in 2020. For one second, you would not say Philip Rivers had a elite arm, nope, or elite movement. But you know what? That dude processed the hell out of games, pre-snap, post-snap. That dude was elite. I don't feel that with Matt Ryan at all. And when your 37-year-old, 15-year vet has physical limitations, you can't have any mental questions. And there are. And 
I think he's got to be hurt from the shoulder. I don't. I don't think it looked this slow, lethargic, whatever you want to call it. The ball just lacks any sort of zip getting to guys. Uh, I mean, Dallas could have had another five interceptions in that game. So I see the amount of, to get back to the processing thing, I guess, I see the amount of free rushers that just feast. There's no pre-snap identification pickup. Guys aren't on the same page. Um, you know, how do you make up for arm strength or lack of arm strength? You make up for it with throwing with anticipation, throwing with precision. And I just don't, I don't feel that from him. Um, I know I've said it before, when that pocket starts to crumble just a little, just a little crack, all of a sudden, he crumbles. And he panics. Panics. It's really bad. These are words that we just don't use, we shouldn't use, with veteran quarterbacks that have played to this, this degree. I mean, that was an indoor game last night, and again, you're hoping and praying the ball gets to his pass catchers. Um For several reasons, it's time to bench him. Um, and I would say one of the biggest reasons would be the financial component. I mean, he got sacked there late, and I think they ended up calling him down, or they called the Cowboys defender down who picked it up. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Let's let's delay the next touchdown by just a minute or so. Um, I thought he could have been hurt. And I thought to myself, this dude is out there, and you got about $17 million worth of bonuses up in the air for 2023 if he were to get hurt. He's got a couple bonuses due in March that if he were to fail physical, he'd still get those. And that's a big, big cap hit for a team that obviously has several needs to try and address. So for that reason, um, that would be a huge part of me not wanting to run him out there. I think there's an element of just, I mean, accountability too. I mean, you're going to make other moves around your roster. You know, you're going to push guys up and down the depth chart, but yet you're going to continue to run out a guy that's a turnover machine and a guy that just doesn't give you enough to offset that from a passing offense standpoint. Um, that would probably be on my mind. And then again, I could Ellinger or Foles. I think you can make a case for either. And by no means am I acting like this is some golden option and this is a cure-all. It's four games after a bye week when you're 4-8-1, and one, but there is no need to see Matt Ryan. And I hear from the tanking crowd, play him, because right now you'll lose and you'll continue to move up. But remember that financial component. I don't think playing Foles or Ellinger all of a sudden means the Colts go 3-1 and one in their final four. But I think it offers a little bit of a better evaluation to those guys and again, it takes out the financial component off the table there. So yeah, I just it's um I feel bad for Ryan. I do. Because I think he's such a great pro and all of that. I don't think he looks like the same guy we saw in September, even though, you know, there were concerns, I think, dating back to training camp about vertical passing game and all of that. And we'll get into some of that during Twitter questions because um I think there's some pretty alarming numbers on this passing offense this season. Um, But when it comes down to it, he should be benched. He should be benched flat out. Uh, Short term, long term, it'd be malpractice to run him out there again. I'd like to point a couple things out. Uh, Nick Foles has played two snaps this year. 
Came against the Jaguars back in week two, that 24-0 to loss. Uh, the next two things I want to point out is, like you said, the Colts are 4-8-1. and one. They are three plays away from 2-10-1. You have the Travis Kelsey dropped intercept, uh, drop touchdown in Kansas City game, the Sky Moore muff punt, and then Russell Wilson making the wrong read on fourth and goal in overtime in Denver. Throw it to KJ Handler, who's right, right, got a better chance of catching a cold at this at that point, yeah, than uh, being touched or covered by somebody. Yeah. So I mean, the fact that the Colts are four, eight, and one, even in itself, is lucky at this point. Yeah, and obviously the Raiders game, I mean, that was a hell of a play that Bobby Okereke made late in that, that game too. to kind of save it and everything. So, and I, mean, I know people can go the reverse of it. Correct. Of, you know, Gilmore against Terry McLaurin, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Jalen Hurts. So, yeah. It, McLaughlin missing a field goal. I think it's, I think the 4 8 and 1 record is pretty deserved. It's pretty deserved for what this team has been this season. Um, but I'll go back to what I said earlier. It's just such salt in the wounds that you sit here and it's like, if you were five and seven, you'd have a chance in these final, you know, f- one more win and take away a tie and one more law. Lo- you know, obviously Tennessee would still have the head-to-head tiebreaker on you, but that is what is such an issue for this team right now, and it's so demoralizing. Uh, but yeah, Matt Ryan, hell of a career. Great pro. Don't need to see him ever again. Uh, The final thing of what you didn't like now, we do have a question that touches on this a little bit. Uh, The non-challenge on the Isaiah Rodgers interception or no interception. Um, And then even some fans, I know some people were calling into the postgame show last night asking about why there wasn't a challenge on the Dalton Schultz fumble. Yeah, the Schultz fumble, I initially thought they should challenge that. Then as I got a closer look at it, that was a pretty clear recovery. Um, Schultz had it. I don't, I don't think Bobby O'Karake ever had a clear clear recovery on that one. The Rodgers one's a bigger one for me. Um, it's late third quarter. You know, Dallas is starting to move it a little bit. And Rodgers makes an interception. And his reaction clearly indicates that he thinks he caught it. Uh, I thought it looked really close on the first replay. And the catch-no-catch rule is so much gray area in it. It's one of those things where there's been so many times where I thought there's no way it's a catch, and then the reverse happens. There's no way it isn't a catch, and then the reverse happens. Um, I thought it was worth the timeout to risk it at that point. Um, You don't challenge it. The play stands as an incomplete pass. And I think Dallas scores what thirty three unanswered. Was that it from from then on? Um, it just those are the types of plays you've needed so often this season. Those are the game changing turnovers that you know Gilmore gave you one in the first half. You really needed one more because I still don't think your offense is moving it super consistently enough. Besides Pierce. You know, impacting two of those drives in in big big ways. Your offense was was moving it, you know, decently well, um, but I just felt like that Rogers play was was worth a challenge. Uh, so again, that's a little bit Jeff Saturday 
game management, you know, talking to the booth, being on top of those things. Um, I felt like that was worthy of a of a challenge. You know, Saturday got to seem ready to go, which was a concern that I had. You know, entering the game of would this team look like they were just praying for their bye week? And again, out of the start, they played really, really good football. Um, and then, of course, the tailspin there into the fourth quarter. And that has been obviously not 33 to nothing level, but that has been an issue now, Eddie. If you look at the fourth quarters with, with Saturday, you got outscored, what? Was it 14 nothing with Philly? You got outscored by the Steelers. That has been on the negative side of it. You've gotten off the better starts, but you have not closed games well with Saturday. Um, I kind of want to point something out here again. Uh, Jelani Woods, not really a factor uh, in this game after a career high in receiving yards against the Steelers. Jelani Woods, two for four in terms of two receptions on four targets, 28 yards. And I don't think... I don't know why he didn't play more early. Yes. So, and the... Here's the thing I wanted to point out. Jelani had that two touchdown game against the the tight uh, the Chiefs. Followed it up with one catch, one target, thirty three yards. Kylan Granson had the uh, four catch, sixty two yard game against the Titans. Followed that up with one catch for sixteen yards. Has the fifty seven yards against the Raiders. Follows it up with one catch. Mo has the one blimp game. Six catches, 85 yards, two touchdowns against Tennessee. Following week against Denver, one catch for seven yards. It is just remarkable on the utilization of tight ends weekly. You know, when I saw Jelani Woods out there in the fourth quarter, I was texting some people. I'm like, where is he? I'm like, why uh, Why is he not playing? I, mean, I went back and looked at the injury report from the week. I'm like, was this like an emergency dress situation? Like, they've got tight ends. They could bump up from the practice squad. And then all of a sudden the fourth quarter comes around and it's like it's like he's he's the walk on on senior day. They're they're peppering him with targets and you know balls thrown in his direction. That made uh very little sense to me. So uh, yeah, Parks Frazier, you know, Jeff Saturday usage wise, I I did not understand that with uh, Jelani Woods. He saw 15 snaps. And how many of those were in the fourth quarter? I don't know. I'd be willing to bet 75% of them, if not more. Yeah. Uh, Ashton Doolin played 20 snaps. I thought he was on the field. Good amount. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Um, the one highlight to take away, Kev, Alec Pierce. He had the big 45-yard catch right at the first quarter. Um, it pained me to watch that one just a little bit, but financially... That, that is. I texted you about that last night. Yeah. But it was nice to see Pierce get a nice deep ball and sure. get going offensively as well. You know, Pierce had a really quiet month of November, Eddie. And it's kind of a lazy narrative that I think a lot of people go towards, but we just do it. You know, has he hit the rookie wall? He had four catches 
in four games in November. I was on 14 targets. And obviously, he's not had the quarterback to kind of help him. And we have said this throughout, I mean, hell, Eddie, we've said this since September. A staple of the Colts game plan week in and week out has got to be a design shot to Alec Pierce in the first half, design shot to Alec Pierce in the second half. At least one in each half. And let me be very clear, it is a shot to Alec Pierce. You load up the I don't care if you got to put eight in a block. You throw the ball down the field to him. Because good things happen quite often when you do that. First off, he comes down with a whole lot of them, like he did last night on the 45-yarder. Beautiful body control, great play. And the touchdown. Touchdown as well. Back shoulder, back shoulder-ish. Um, really good play there. And if nothing else... I mean, there's a good chance you get some hand-fighting penalty that can get thrown in there as well. Um, that, to me, has been such an issue for this team. Uh, and if you look at it, you scored two touchdowns last night. And the 45-yarder to Pierce set up the first one, which Doolin then scored on. That was a gr- By the way, that was great game plan designed by the Colts. Trayvon Diggs jumps routes like none other. Matt Ryan, nice subtle pump fake. Ashton Doolin's one of your better route runners, so you know he's going to sell it really well. You pump it, boom, Doolin to the corner there. Really well done by Parks Frazier and company to dial that up. Uh, But how Pierce has not been more involved or just targeted outside the numbers like that um, is a bit head-scratching. I know they've had some shots thrown in there, but it's got to be such, such... It's going to be much more of a consistent focus. Um, Collinsworth was, I mean, he was kind of like Aikman last Monday, Eddie. When they've been adamant, like, you've got to take shots down the field. And we're going to get into these numbers here coming up in Twitter questions. It is so alarming to see how unvertical, non-vertical, non-vertical, non-vertical the Colts passing offense has been. It's just... You know, picture you and I in a vertical jump contest and the height we'd be getting on those vertical jumps, that's the Colts passing offense. Yep. You know, you can put a one inch of a ruler under them with how anemic it's been to watch them try and throw the ball down the field this season. So good to see Pierce back in there. You know, Pierce is still really raw. I think we see that. You see it with his other route tree stuff, which is fine. Uh, that was to be expected coming out of Cincinnati. But I was curious, like, the big play Randy Moss-type stuff he did at Cincy, translating that on Sundays is is quite the jump. Yeah. That's that's translated pretty nicely. Now it's kind of rounding out all the other stuff. But I did want to make sure that we singled out Alec Pierce for uh, what he did the other night. Yeah, part of the early fight that you talked about that you liked was Alec Pierce. So just kind of transitioning from now, Alec Pierce into that opening quarter. Talked about it briefly, but we didn't hit on it too much. But I thought the Colts came out well with a nice game plan. They were attacking offensively, and they yeah. looked really good. A lot, a lot of tempo, a lot of uh, a lot of tempo early. Um, I thought that was that seems to be now a little bit more of a consistent staple with Parks Frazier and Jeff Saturday. Um, I thought they they ran a couple nice screens to kind of offset the Dallas pass rush. And honestly, they got into some third and manageables early. Like third and shorts early. I'm like, oh, this is good. 
Like, they won't need to, you know, third and ten, we're pretty much just saying, don't try and sack Matt Ryan, please don't hurt him. No, you got in like some third and threes and fours, and Dallas still feasted. Yeah, I thought one of the disappointing aspects were you got them into both of the sacks early on that Taylor was in the game for. Those were six versus six. You got six in a block. They've got six coming at you. And you can't properly pick that up, and then you can't properly find the hot read. Uh, That, to me, I think really, really stood out as something that uh, Jonathan Taylor in pass protection has been a concern this season. And I just thought Phillip Rivers was, was such a master at setting protection. Matt Ryan has not been that. Not at all. Um, I thought the offensive line held up against the three main guys, though, for Dallas in terms of pass rush. Uh, Demarcus Lawrence only had three tackles. Didn't I don't think he had a quarterback hit. Uh, Micah Parsons was like non-existent, two tackles. He did have one quarterback hit in a pass defense, but and then uh, Dorrance Armstrong didn't have a, a quarterback hit or sack. So out of those three guys, they all had eight plus sacks, um, and really clean on yeah. on that front. The thing is, they just come at you in waves, man. It's the blitz, you know. They just come at you in waves. You know, the safety um, number six had that one sack. Um, yeah, I can't say his last name either. Well, there's another kid, Wilson, Donovan Wilson. I, I think that'd be that. I know be Anthony one. Barr had one. Yeah, Donovan Wilson had one. It's the other guy I can't say. You know, it's just <laughs> they hit Matt Ryan seven times. You hit Dak Prescott once. The only hit against Prescott was the Quiddy Pay sack. It's just kind of wild to think that that was it uh, for the Colts, and that's been again too far, too often, the storyline this season. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Ready for Twitter questions? But let's do it, man. Q Fan is up next, and he asks, what's a realistic evaluation of Jeff Saturday to this point? Boy, that's, that's a good question. Um... I think any evaluation of Jeff Saturday, whether it be here on December 5th or on January 15th, has a lot of blurred lines. It's just it's tough to get a proper evaluation on him. Let's start with the good. You've gotten off to better starts without question. That's been a staple. Uh, I do think the offensive line, given the bar was about as low as low can get, I do think it is taken a step up. I mean, you. I mean, these are two pretty bona fide fronts you've played these last two weeks. So I do think you've had a slight uptick there. I mean, the bad is you still turn the football over at an absurd level. You still can't score enough. And there's zero winning culture when the game's on the line. I mean, if I go back to that fourth quarter stat, Eddie, you've had four games with Saturday as your head coach. You take out Dallas in the fourth quarter, thirty-three to nothing. 
think it's 28 to 9. You've been outscored in the fourth quarter of those other three games. So, you know, when the game is on the line, you haven't been able to get that done. Again, a couple of coaching management stuff, the time management last week, game management, whatever you want to call it, and then the challenge this past week with Rodgers. But um, it's just, it's so hard for me to like give a realistic evaluation to the question that's that's being asked. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at right now, I guess, four games in. To me, it, it's a team that doesn't understand how to close games or how to finish games. Like, I make this comparison in the NBA. Like, the, the Indiana Pacers, for example, last year, yes, they were in a tank mode, but I've always been an advocate or a thoughter, or a thoughter, a thinker of, you have young players. They have to learn to win somehow. And how do you do that? It's by going through these game-like situations where it's a close game fourth quarter, and you've got to learn how to finish. And right now, this Colts team doesn't know how to finish. Well, and, and to that point, Eddie, the one guy that's been a consistent finisher for you has been Stephon Gilmore, the former Defensive Player of the Year, the 32-year-old, the All-Pro, et cetera, et cetera. He's been there, done that. I, I just, to your point, I just don't think that culture is there outside of him, and that's been really, really disappointing. Yeah. you got 10 other guys on defense that have to step up somehow and make a play when they need it. Uh, Wake Spike is next. After being thoroughly trounced by Dallas, has your opinion on a full rebuild changed? Also, is Jeff Saturday doing exactly what he was brought in to do, which is miss challenges and be ineffective to help us move up the draft board? Hang in there, guys. We only have a few more dumpster fires for you to try and make sense of. Well, I've always I, I've been a, a fan of a full rebuild. I, I, I think the head coach and the GM should be tied at the hip. I think Jim Irsay more or less said that when he extended them both along the same timelines last August. Um, I know that that's more my thinking, less Irsay's thinking, but that's where I'm at. Again, Irsay thought there was something with Jeff Saturday, and maybe he still thinks that. You know, reading Jim Irsay, good luck. Um, but... I think he thought there was something legitimately there. Um, I mean, Jeff Saturday, there are moments where it's like, man, he looks a bit dejected, you know, and, and we'll see. Maybe the bye week kind of recharges batteries and everything, but I am a believer in that you have a full rebuild. What's your definition of a full rebuild? What would you do? Uh, Well, fire Ballard as well and then start from there. Yeah. And I just don't think it's like, you know, oh, Jeff Saturday, move him into the front office is like GM. What, what, what is there in Jeff Saturday's background that all of a sudden he'd be a successful GM? You can make the argument there's more in his background that he'd be a better coach than he would be a GM. Yeah. I mean, GM, that is some intense scouting, some big-time wheeling and dealing, contract negotiations, all of that. I mean, it's not necessarily like labor deals and things. I mean, that's that's a lot different. Not, not, not to mention, I find Jeff highly motivated to be a coach versus the GM aspect where I don't know if he'd feel that same return on investment that he feels from coaching. If that makes sense. Makes sense to me. Uh, Mike is next. He says, I believe it is safe to say Carson Wentz was not this bad, correct? How can evaluation of the new quarterback position 
Uh, how can evaluation of the quarterback position be so bad? How can we as a fan base trust Chris Ballard to get the job done when he's taking no risks at the biggest position in sports? By the way, thank you for your work this season. Great articles. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate that. Um, well, I guess we'll start here on the article front. Something I posted to the website late last week, so I know it kind of got lost in the shuffle. We only had one podcast last week because of the Monday Nighter. So, um, it basically was... 1075thefan.com. Thank you for that. Um, basically, it was how much of this lack of a passing offense is personnel-driven. And something that I noticed in training camp walking out of Grand Park is Matt Ryan probably attempted 200-some balls over the 16-ish practices the Colts had at training camp. And I could probably count on two or three... I could probably count maybe two or three total that traveled over 16, 18 yards in the air. It was not an offense that was getting to the third level, maybe even deep into that second level, depending on how you want to call it. And now you look at the season's played out, and obviously we're seeing it firsthand. And again, that's training camp. Red jersey. You know, you're not you're not getting touched. Lord knows you're not, you know. Yeah. Not even getting uh, hit, but that to me was kind of like, huh? You know, again, I'm not, I wasn't expecting anything crazy over the top, but we didn't see much there. Have you seen these next gen stats by the chance? No. Okay. Are they powered by AWS? <laughs> so next gen stats has an intended air yards. Basically, it's the average yard a passer throws on all. His attempts. So basically, how far down the field yep. you throw it. Entering last week, Matt Ryan had a 6.2 intended air yards. Something tells me that's not very good. That's dead last in the NFL this year among the 39 quarterbacks that qualify for that. Basically, their qualification was at least 90 pass attempts. So, next-gen stats has been around since 2016. I decided to look into the database and look into, you know, where does that rank in their history. So how long were you looking in the database, first of all? It was it was a little bit longer than I was than I was expecting, but um, hopefully the stat will resonate. You go back to twenty sixteen, there's two hundred and eighty quarterbacks that qualify. And Matt Ryan at six point two would rank two hundred and seventy ninth out of two hundred and eighty. He's not last. The guy in last place, Eddie? I don't want to know. (laughs) The man who probably should have never been playing football again, but was such a warrior he wanted to go back out there. That would be Alex. Robert Griffin III. That would be Alex Smith. Darn it. I was trying to guess it. Coming back from that horrific-looking leg injury. Um, I mean, think about that. last seven years of football. Guys challenging downfield, 280 quarterbacks, and Matt Ryan has ranked 279th, and again, Alex Smith, the only one below him. Like It's it's almost like the Chris Ballard quote of, we just got to make the layups at quarterback. Like They haven't even, they can only shoot layups. They, they, they don't even try to go attempt a three-pointer. I mean, even yeah. last night. Did we see another shot to Pierce? Really? At all? Like, I mean, real shot. Like, 20-yard shot to him. 
the rest of the game. Or or to Pittman. I also found it interesting that if you looked at Ryan's individual numbers through that time, because I was curious, like, okay, how does he how is he usually in this stat? Again, six point two this season. That's average yards, a pass or throws on all attempts, basically how far downfield that you throw it. He's six point two this year. Starting in 2016, he was 9.0, then 8.7, 8.5, 8.3, 8.9, 7.2, 6.2. In the last two years, you've seen a big dip. How do you not chalk that up to just father time? And should that have been more of a red flag when the Colts were going after him? You know, part of it, the Colts are probably backed into a corner where they really didn't have many other options yeah. at that point in the offseason. But it's just, it's got to be so perfect around them. And when it's not, you get exposed. And you pay your quarterback too much money for, he should be the one covering up some imperfections elsewhere. Not you having to cover up his imperfections. And that's where the Colts are at right now. So for comparison's sake, uh, at the top of the board, in terms of average intended air yards, out of the starting quarterbacks, I want to clarify, because Jameis Winston's first, but he hasn't played since, what, like week three? Yeah. Week four? Right. Marcus Mariota. That, that that did surprise me. Not that I've watched a lot of this game. Yeah. 10.2. And then you've got two uh, at 9.4, Justin Fields at 9.4, and good old Jacoby Brissett at 9.1. You know, So Eddie, that is three to four yards difference. And by no means am I saying like that stat is the end-all, be-all to great quarterback play. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is when that is what you've shown on film, that makes the Malik Hooker interception happen because you're not challenging vertically. So they can sit on everything underneath. They can suffocate the hell out of you, and they're going to create chances with getting hands on balls, and that's exactly what they did in the first half last night. Now that you've got me here on Next Gen Stats, by the way, Dangerous rabbit hole for you? Yes. <laughs> Alec Pierce has the second lowest <laughs> yards per separation yeah. in the NFL at 1.9. Is that for the whole season or is that just for last week? The whole season. Devontae Parker is the only wide receiver that has a yeah. worse, and that's 1.5. I mean, think about the plays Pierce has made. That's not too shocking to you. You know, everything seems to be pretty contested with him. So, again, those are steps that you obviously have got to take in the right direction for, you know, him as his development as a wideout. I also want to kind of go back to Mike's question uh, for a second and tell me if I'm off base here, but I don't think Chris Ballard had much, if any, say in acquiring Carson Wentz or the dismissal of Carson Wentz. I thought that was more Frank Reich driven and he went and he was like we need to make this happen and Frank went out of his way to ask for something and Frank and Chris just obliged cuz who knows how much Frank actually asks for other than who knows if he even asked for Philip Rivers. Yeah, I um I understand where you're coming from. I think that's a little bit too much of a you know, you and Olivia are debating where you want to go to to dinner, and you're like, yeah. I don't care. And she makes a decision, and you're like, like, it's 
it wasn't that. Yeah. You know, I mean, Ballard still had say. I mean, at the right. end of the day, it's quarterback. At the end of the day, he is above Frank Reich on the on the you know hierarchy, and that was the Matthew Stafford offseason, right? Yes. Ballard was not a Matthew Stafford fan, you know, in pursuing him. So it's not like there was some, you know, I want this guy, you want that guy. There's some big disagreement here on that front. Um, so, yeah, was there a belief in Frank? Sure. But, again, at the end of the day, that's part of why you get paid the big bucks. Of you got to kind of sift through that and weed through it. And it just it's a little surprising to me. That again, the Colts made that move for Wentz, considering Ballard is such a character dude. Like he's such a character-driven guy. I felt like there were some so many red flags for that. Like, why did Philly draft Jalen Hurts? You know, I mean, that was character. before Wentz had the awful year that last year in Philly. They they draft. I mean, if you believe in your quarterback and you just gave him a hundred and some million dollars on extension, you do not draft a quarterback in the second round. It's not like Wentz and Hurts are, I mean, sure, Hurts is a more dynamic runner. It's not like you have, you know, Phillip Rivers and Lamar Jackson and you're going to, you know, hey, one package for this guy, one package <laughs> for that guy, et cetera, et cetera. You're like, it's not that. So, yeah, I just, it doesn't really add up to me. Uh, I mentioned in the, when you said you didn't like the fact that Jeff Saturday didn't challenge that we had a Twitter question regarding the no challenge on the Isaiah Rogers interception or incompletion. That comes from Bailey. Um, was the flag by Zaire Franklin a reason the Colts did not challenge the Rodgers interception? It looked to me that it was an obvious interception and we never threw the flag. The back referee was the one who originally called it incomplete too. And I will say, I didn't share this at the time, but... Yeah. I thought it was a clear incompletion. Did you? Yes. Damn. I thought that ball hit the turf, and then you see it move again after it hits the turf, and then Roger secures it. And then I saw, I don't know if this is accurate or not, but I saw a quote, somebody saying that Isaiah Rogers said after the game that Saturday was told not to challenge by the booth. Right. Um, yeah, I, I didn't think it looked that definitive to me. Uh as far as the penalty is concerned, the penalty was after the interception. So they just would have tacked it on to the end. I guess in that case, they would have moved the Colts back because Zaire had that penalty. Yeah. After, I, I, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't have nullified right. the Rodgers interception there. Um, I, I just think you have to challenge that. I think I think you have to have a pulse of of your team, the moment, and realize that, hey, for us to get back in this game – or to really feel like we have a chance to win it, we've got to we've got to force a turnover. We've got to do something drastic because at that point, I mean, Dallas was starting to move it again. Yep. You know, it was twenty one nineteen. Let me pull up exactly where it was on the field. Um, Baker Mayfield just got the scissors. Wait, what? Is San Francisco gonna start go after him? Oh. Um, so that's the Indy 35. Yeah, I, I, you know, at that point, if they score a touchdown there, which they ended up doing, of course, it's 28-19, and that kind of started the onslaught from there. Boy, that third and 10. Man, how many missed tackles with C.D. Lamb in space? Tell you what, man. He's fun to watch. Boy, he, he is a dynamic player. Yeah, I, I get the odds might not have been in your favor, but... I think you got to throw it there. 
weird things happen with the catch no catch stuff. Yeah, that's that's very true. Uh, after that disaster, Jake says he's going to be positive. You know, kicking a dead horse. Bernard Ryman had a really good game. Jake, I think there's a lot of people out there that would agree with that. Um, we had Joe Wrights on our morning show earlier today. He was complimentary of what Ryman showed and how he's taking some steps forward. And I did think Ryman uh, held up for the most part there. Um, and you know, I don't know what our podcast schedule will be between now and coming back from the bye week, Eddie, but probably something we should have discussed before the pod. Apologies for that. Uh, anyways. You talk about like individual players that I'm watching the final four games of the season. Yeah, Ryman's probably atop the list. You know, if he can continue to show you something at left tackle, now all of a sudden that could be a huge position that you feel okay about leading into next year. Um, you know, do you play more of the rookies? Like again, why wasn't Jelani Woods playing more in the first half? Do you go back to Nick Cross at all? Nick Cross started the opener. I get that the other safeties have played pretty good football for you. But do you try and groom him at all and give him some of these minutes? Again, a lot of these are very much tanking sort of moves, but I think these are all realistic questions you have to ask. Uh, Nick Cross did not play a single defensive snap this week. I mean, when he, I mean, there's no way he's played. Has he played more than five since he got benched? I don't. I don't. I don't know. I I, I can't think of seeing him out there. I I don't either. Uh, Jason's would ask or asks, please share your thoughts on Jonathan Taylor's pass protect protection, uh, especially as it relates to a potential contract extension. Yeah, again, it'd be leverage that I would have if I were the Colts. And this gets back to a question we had a few weeks ago about like generational running back. You know, to be a generational running back, it's really hard in today's league when you don't help out on third down in a big way. And he doesn't help out in a big way on third down. So I think that would hold him back from what that contract looks like. I'll be very curious to see how his contract compares to some of the other pass-catching type of backs. Yeah. Uh, Two questions left, Conroy and Montana, and we'll go with Conroy first. It feels like a lot of ex-Colts have career days against us when we play them. Malik Clicker just returned a fumble for his first career touchdown after having a questionable interception earlier in the game. Don't get me started with Danico Autry. Why does it feel like ex-Colts play amazing against us, but our ex-whoever team don't? Are ex-Colts that peeved at the front office for not retaining them? Are they that mistreated? Thanks, K. Bowen. I just feel like you you just notice it more, just because you, you recognize the name. I mean, Justin Houston played great in Kansas City a few years ago when you pulled off the upset there. Like I I don't I uh, I don't know if I can put much more stock into it. I honestly, outside of Hooker and Autry, I can't think of too many. Also, I'm going to take a little sh- a shot here. Uh oh. You don't see many ex-players for the Colts play well against their former teams because the Colts don't sign many players. Look at that. Look at that. Eddie Garrison To right make there. plays against their former teams. Very good. Yeah, Carson Wentz didn't stay for a second year to get a shot at Philly, right? Uh, wish he would have had this past season. Uh, yeah, I don't. I, I did notice Jonathan Hankins, I guess another former Colt. Matt Overson snapped the ball well last night. 
There are a lot uh, of Colts I assume Cow- so, yeah. Colts Cowboys connections uh in that one. Pretty sure I think Anger held more point afters than uh he did punts. And he made a tackle. Oh. On the block extra point. I didn't I missed that because the yeah. Colts or Pacers were going on at the same time. I didn't I didn't realize yeah, that. It was a, it was honestly a nice tackle there. That was forty to nineteen at that point. So oh. I don't blame anyone that had checked out. Uh, Montana gets the last question for today's pod. In your in your opinion, what the hell happened to the Colts this year? This season has been more painful than the suck for luck year with Curtis Painter. I know Jeff Saturday is probably adjusting to his new role, but why are they not playing Sam Ellinger? The season has lost, and we worried we might uh, he might chalk up a couple wins or something. If he if we don't thoroughly evaluate him now, it's just one more spot with a question mark come draft time. Already have huge needs: quarterback, left tackle, offensive line in general, wide receiver, defensive back, and not even going to mention coaching staff or general manager or what to do with Shaquille Leonard. Thanks for doing an awesome job. Montana, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I first read that question. I got back to thinking about a um, hard knocks. Want to come back? They <laughs> honestly might. Um, I got back to thinking to a Saturday quote after the game yesterday, and I'm paraphrasing a little bit here, but it's like you're not you're not changing coaches in the middle of the season if it's not bad. And he's right. And honestly, that is probably more of a reflection on your general manager, is it not? If it's this bad to where you brought in the new coach, you fired people in important roles, and yet you're one and three since you've done that, nothing looks that different. I guess, again, you're starting better. You're finishing not very good at all. You're continuing to turn the ball over. You're not scoring. You know, at some point, you, know, you just kind of throw your hands up in the air and say it's got to be personnel-driven. And um, that's where I think a lot of it is. It's, you know, I, I I said this quite often entering the season. I just worry about accountability. Always worried about it. And I felt like when, again, Ursay gave out those contract, contract extensions last August, in a way, you're saying to Chris Bowden and Frank Reich, the job you've done is acceptable. And... You look around the league, and the other people in those positions that got contract extensions are the Bengals crew going to the Super Bowl, or the Buffalo crew earning a number one seed, or the Tennessee crew, I should say, earning the number one seed. Yeah. Not a crew that is sitting at home watching the postseason and not winning one of the easiest divisions in football, certainly the easiest one in the AFC. And I just think that accountability can kind of bleed into other parts of the organization when the owner is financially going there with his two most important lieutenants, if you will, in his GM and his head coach there. Uh, but you guys have heard me say it for years now of so much of the roster building can boil down to those really, really important positions. And I think when you don't start there and you have a head coach that the message started to get a little stale. The result is you get something like this. And and Father Time's called up to the quarterback. Yeah. You know, I, I think I think if the Colts had a different quarterback, a little bit more mobile, 
certainly one that wasn't a turnover machine. I think they'd, they'd be a 500 football team right now. Um, I've been very disappointed with Matt Ryan. Um, again, I know the Colts have not supported him, but I don't think he's supported them. And I should point out, I think some of it has to do with his physical health. He just doesn't look like the same guy to me. But you, you, you're paying him way too much money to get this uh, this level of play out of him. I'd just like to know, back when he had when they announced the benching and talked about the um the shoulder injury kev i know we did a pod the next day uh-huh and i mentioned to you that that shoulder separation that he's dealing with that's a six to eight week recovery and he just hit the six week mark yesterday so i, I i'm starting to wonder if like this injury is lingering from playing yeah and taking hits yeah and i think the taking hits part eddie like, I think there's just some scar tissue, physically and mentally, with him right now. Like, everything is a little hesitant and just a little bit, like, not fully confident of when he goes away from that first read, who knows what's going to happen from there. And throwing with anticipation and timing and velocity, none of those are being checked off. And when he tries to, you know, extend the play, it's it's like, oh, uh, oh, oh uh, bleep, what's about to happen? Yeah, that's, that's turn the channel stuff. Turn the channel and just hope you flip back and they're punting the ball away. Uh, that wraps up Twitter questions. Um, do you want to do a pod? We have a, I guess we can have our off-show meeting on. What do we think? you think like a little bi-week pod coming up Wednesday or Thursday? I know you've been working on a list of potential coaching candidates. You want to get into that this week? Sure. Yeah, yeah. We can do that. Uh, maybe Wednesday or Thursday we'll come back with a pod that we can focus on that aspect to it. Um, that stuff will be up on our website as well. So encourage everyone out out there, 1075thefan.com, for that. And then, uh, yeah, I guess we'll come back next week and four to go for the Annapolis Colts. Make sure to like, rate, and subscribe. Matt, you're such a veteran with this. He's Eddie Garrison. I'm Kevin Bowen. Everybody have a great week. We'll talk to you in a few days. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time.